like to welcome everyone this morning hour in the house of prayer on this Lord's Day uh, before we do go into the service do we have any announcements or greetings Lord be with you Thank you. So greetings from Sister Elizabeth Beffert, from Brother Eric, and also uh, we are having an OMEC meeting, Lord willing, next Saturday. So Brother Eric will be in Windsor, and Brother uh, Phil will be in Harrow, Lord willing, and please extend our greetings when you go. Okay, if I understood that and heard you properly, greetings from Sister Emilia and Sister Savannah, and they're wiped out, like they're very tired, and they extended greetings. Thank you. <laughs> Sister Bev, greetings from Sister Bev. She had car problems. Thank you. Bring you uh, greetings from uh, Brother Josiah, Sister Laura. We spoke to them this morning and uh, a few announcements about the upcoming wedding. Um, so we are looking forward to the wedding day of Josiah and Laura on Sunday, April the 23rd in Beverly Hills, Michigan. Since their wedding day is on a Sunday, the day will begin with Bible class at 10 a.m. and morning service at 11 a.m. That's a regular morning service. Then there's gonna be hot lunch uh, church reception uh, for everyone at noon and then the wedding service itself will be at 2 p.m. and refreshments uh, then from 3 to 6. So there's going to be a sign-up sheet uh, posted downstairs and we ask that you um, put down uh, your name there uh, by um, 
by two weeks from now, by April, Sunday, April 2nd, we'd like to submit that to the church to see if you're coming for lunch so they can prepare for that, if you need housing uh, Saturday, Sunday night, and also if you're planning to bring a dessert. So uh, please write that down on the housing list. There's also an evening, a smaller reception uh, by invitation only, and that RSVP is on their website and is due tomorrow. Um, this, there's a shower that's coming up now, uh, scheduled on noon on April 1st at our house, and that's for the ladies only, and please RSVP uh, by next Sunday on the sign-up list on the bulletin board as well. If there's any questions about their wedding or shower, I can, my wife is finally here, so you can speak to her directly and uh, ask her. But thank you very much for your prayers. Thank you, Brother Edmund. Are there any other greetings? Um, I was in Kitchener, Strasbourg Road two weeks ago for the baptism there and the church extended greetings and I was also in Regina for the funeral of Sister Katie Stark and the church there also extended greetings to our congregation and individuals. I would ask also that you pray for um, Sister Aditza's husband, Vasil, uh, from PA. He's got um, um, tumors on his pancreas and going in for an R R M MRI, uh, if he hasn't already gone, pray for him, he, for his salvation and for his health and healing, that God's uh, wonders will be done in his life. And pray for Sister Raditza also, as she is his wife and caregiver, will be in the future if that's the case. Also, um, just a few announcements concerning the focus of the month is Eastern Europe. This month of uh, March is still Eastern Europe. Brother Edmund covered the wedding and the shower. And services <coughs> will begin today at 2 p.m. Uh, we just conferred now. Brother Daniel would like to start choir practice today. So uh, practice will start at 1 o'clock. And um, we'll start second services immediately after that at 2 p.m. Coming... Wednesday CFG, we're still on the life of Christ. And as mentioned, we have the OMEC meeting in Harrow next week. Please be in prayer for that as well. Are there any more greetings that I may have missed? <clears throat> if not, let's all uh, bow our heads in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before thy throne of grace this morning. Lord, we're so glad that you are Father in heaven. And we're so glad that we can <clears throat> come to your house of prayer and worship, to worship thee as a corporate body, as your family, as your children. We pray that you'd be with us throughout this day, that the word that goes forth will find place in our hearts, that it be your word and only given by your messengers to those that are here this morning and to those that are not, to those that are <clears throat> tuning in on Teams, we pray that you'll be with them also, that your word will have its course in all of our lives.
and especially to those that are shut in for the sick, for those that are going through difficult situations, we pray that you would be with each and every one and that your name would be magnified and glorified, not only by our lips, by our hearts, by our hands and our feet. We ask these things as we ask thee in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> With the Lord's help, I'd like to go to the book of Matthew, to the gospel according to Matthew. <clears throat> I was supposed to have this on Wednesday for continuing the life of Christ, but I got so inspired, I want to go ahead of time and look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. beginning to read at verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. O wicked, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh for a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have not brought ye have brought no bread? Do Ye not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up, neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. For that time forth, from that time forth, Jesus began, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offence unto me, for thou savourest not the things that be of God, but the those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come up after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And, <clears throat> and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The Lord is worthy, we bow down and worship him. Almighty God, creator of this vast universe, thou hast spoken the word and it was light, stars, planets, all that is proceeding at your command. Life, animals, and then men and women, you took the time to form with your own hands and breathe into them and make them in your image, able to understand and to respond and to connect with you walked with them in the cool of the day and we have turned our backs we were too proud we wanted to be in control we thought we could know for ourselves father these many centuries and millennia of pain we have proven how poorly we can manage how corrupt our hearts are, and how desperately we need you to save us from ourselves. Lord, thank you for your word, a light that's come into a dark place, leading us back through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Father, we pray that at this time when the darkness is highlighted, we would not turn our backs upon the light, but that we would be willing to take up our cross 
to follow you, that these would not be leavened words that are dead and full of mere tradition, but they would be living words that would cut through our dullness of heart and lay bare our very motives and bring us into a living relationship with our spirit that could that we could actually attack the very gates of hell and they will not stand against us. Father, we are privileged and we pray that we would never take for granted this privilege of hearing thy word. That we would hang on and be hungry for its every word because it's not about the bread that perishes, but the bread of every word that proceeds from your mouth. Father, speak to us through your servant, through your spirit, and may it not just be for this moment, but may we leave here changed. Father, you know the needs. We have mentioned this morning about Vasil. Lord, he's not ready to meet you. He has yet resisted even though he has been coming so faithfully these many years, we pray that he would humble his heart and would welcome you into his heart to be his personal Lord and Savior. Father, there are many who have heard for many years who are still resisting. You know them each by name. You know many that are close to our hearts, that, that we groan, desiring for them to know you as well. Father, we're so thankful for our dear sister Lily who has turned in time and we pray that you'd be with her and grant her uh, reprieve from her pain and grace as she endures what she's enduring. And also for those who are taking care of her, you know many others who are also dealing with physical limitations. Father, we pray for your present grace. Those who are grieving lost loved ones and Father, we're thankful that you are the God who is the resurrection and the life. That in you, these things are not final. That we do not need to grieve as those who have no hope. And we pray that each of us would lay hands upon that hope and make it our own. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. the book of Matthew in the life of Christ in the last couple of weeks we covered Matthew chapter 15 and at the end of chapter 15 where Jesus gave the dissertation on what defiles a man and what doesn't defile a man basically he said not what goes into the mouth defiles a man but what comes out of the heart defiles a man it's the inner man that he's been teaching all along for throughout the Beatitudes uh, throughout all the discourses he's had and teachings what Christ is mostly concerned about is the inner man 
the Apostle Paul contrasts the inner man to the flesh, the carnal man, the outside man. And so it says here at the last verse of chapter 15 that he sent away the multitude after feeding them and took ship and came to the coast, to the shores or borders of Magdala. So he was in, I believe that was the eastern side of, of the Lake of Galilee. And then he was teaching there his disciples, but it seems that the Pharisees and Sadducees took extra uh, interest in Jesus because his popularity was growing exponentially with all the healings, with all the miracles, and they were following him because they felt that he was a threat to their authority, to their control. And uh, they came to him and desired him that he would show them a sign. Prove yourself. Maybe trying to disprove him by thinking that he can't do it. But he just very plainly, his time was not yet come. He was not in a, in a, in a time to debate with them. But he just very plainly said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be foul weather today, today for the sky is red and lowering. And then he says, you hypocrites. You know how to discern the sky. You know through experience that when you see these conditions in the morning a red sky and in the night a red sky you know that it's going to be fair if it's a red sky at night and it's going to be bad weather if it's a red sky in the morning we have that saying uh, that says that red sky at night sailors delight red sky in morning sailors take warning and you know God is a uh, the master creator, he's the physicist, he's a designer, and we know, we've discovered that sky is not blue because it's blue. The sky is blue because of the, re the refraction of light coming from the sun. On a clear day, everything, all the, the, the blue light comes through, the red light is, doesn't come through. And so, in the morning, the same thing happens. I looked it up and say, what causes red light in the morning or orangish red light? It's the same principle. It's to do with the, 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 the pressure system. As the pressure gets higher or lower, higher pressure is stable weather. Lower pressure is unstable weather. And if you see that in the morning, and you get all these entrapped dust particles, it gives you this red glow. It filters through the red and doesn't filter through the blue, and vice versa. So Jesus knew that. He created everything. You believe that? Jesus created everything. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus, the Son of God, by whom all things were made, God was the architect, God was the designer, but Jesus, God the Son, executed the plan and brought creation into existence. And then he said, you can discern this face. You know earthly things like this, 
but you cannot discern the signs of the times. You know what these signs mean, the physical ones, but you don't know the signs of the era you're living in, of the epoch that you are living in. You know the Word of God. You know the Bible, if you will. You've seen the prophecies. And you've read about the Messiah all the way from Genesis chapter 3, all the way up to Malachi. You've read about him. You, 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 you know the Word. You can re regurgitate the Word. How come you don't understand it? Why don't you see the signs that are in the Word of God? He said, I'm only going to give you one sign. The sign of the prophet Jonas, and then he walks away. He wasn't going to give them the answer on the platter, but they're going to think about what did Jonas do? What happened to Jonas? And basically, in another chapter, it says that as Jonas was in the whale's belly, or the, the whale's belly, for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He was speaking of his resurrection. This is going to be the greatest sign that ever occurred. That Jesus was God in the flesh. That Jesus was a son of God. And then he left and he parted. And when his disciples would come to the other side, they forgot some bread. And Jesus said unto them, take heed, be careful. He continued his discussion. He waited till he was away from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees were of the uh, order of the high priests. That's where the high priests came from. And the Pharisees were the so-called guardians of the law, the interpreters of the law. There was about 6,000 of them that, that made sure that everyone was keeping the law to the jot and tittle of it. Otherwise, they'd be judged. And then Jesus continued when he, when he went away from them to the other side of the lake. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we have taken no bread? And when Jesus perceived he said unto them, look, he never actually heard them articulate the words. Notice this. But, he said, but when he perceived that they had mumbled something, he knew what they were talking about. And he said, oh, ye little faith, of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 that were fed? And how many baskets you collected up that were left over? Neither the seven loaves that you, you, you fed 4,000 people with? And how many baskets you took up that left over? How is it that you do not understand that I spake unto you the concerning, not concerning bread, flour, and, and yeast, and that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, 
and of the Sadducees. How come you don't understand the spiritual application that I'm trying? I wasn't talking about physical stuff. And he said this a few times in John chapter 6. When the multitudes followed Jesus back around the lake after he had fed the, the multitudes. And he saw them coming and he says, you come to me not because the miracles, but because you are fed. All you care about is the food. All you care about is the physical. You're living on this physical plane. I want you to start thinking spiritually. Why am I here for? I'm not here just to feed you. I'm not here just to heal you physically. And then he had to tell them, beware of these teachers. The Pharisees, the so-called experts in the law, and the Sadducees who are the leaders of the Sanhedrin and the high priest. Beware of what they teach you. You can just see the chapter before what they were teaching them. You become defiled because you eat without washing your hands. That's what makes you defiled before God. And, he's, and they accused his disciples of violating the tradition of the elders, not the word of God. The tradition of the elders. What kind of disciples are they? And Jesus says, don't you also violate? Don't you violate the tradition of God? The commandments of God? He desires mercy and not judgment. He desires the heart, the inner man, not the outer man. These are valuable lessons for us today because we think we've escaped Pharisaism. We think we've escaped Judaism. We think we, we, we've, we've escaped the law. We are no longer under the law, so then we can do what we want. He's looking for the inner man, the heart of man. Then they understood how he bade them not to beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine. What is doctrine? It's teaching. What is a doctor today? You say he's a physician. He, the word doctor is actually teacher. You get a degree to the point where you can teach your, your, your uh, subjects. You become a doctor of philosophy or a doctor of medicine or a doctor of dentistry. It means a teacher. You've got to the point where you can teach others. Be careful of this doctrine that the Pharisees and the Sadducees teach you. What do the Sadducees teach you? There is no resurrection. Eat, drink, today for tomorrow we die. Live it up. That's why they were wealthy. They, they, their life consisted of everything that was on this earth. Make the maximum pleasure on this earth. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in the angels. They didn't believe in the afterlife. Why do you think Jesus gave them the sign of the prophet Jonah? There's going to be an afterlife. There's going to be a resurrection. This is not all to life. And it comes very important when he explains to Peter and the disciples in the end about losing your life. We'll get to that, God willing. So we have here that... Jesus is saying, be careful. And we have to be careful also. There's all kinds of leaven out there today. 
There's all kinds of false teachings out there today. And it's in the millions and hundreds of millions of people that are listening to false teachers. The health and wealth movement. The prosperity gospel. The faith, word of faith movement. Where there's, if you will, counterfeit revivals and counterfeit miracles and counterfeit teachings because they're fleecing the sheep they're not feeding the sheep Jesus was feeding the sheep not only with bread but with the word of God which lives and abides forever Peter says and so this was a very intriguing passage to me as I study this more and more says when Jesus came verse 13 when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples whom do men say that the I the son of man am if you look through the Bible and you do a search on the phrase son of man I counted this morning 30 if I counted right 32 times in the book of Matthew the son of man you know which book has got the, the most? Ezekiel. I don't know how, I, I lost count. A son of man normally means the son of a human being. You're the son of man as a contrasted to the son of God. But there's one place in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. If, we, if you want to read it, chapter 7. He's talking about the beast, and I'm look, looking at a different Bible this morning. So he talks about <clears throat> which verse is that? Thirteen. Thanks, brother. Edmund. He said, "I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they besought him near, and they brought him near before him." And there were given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all people, nations and languages shall serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdoms that which shall not be destroyed. Daniel saw in this vision this son of man coming in the clouds. And he came down to the ancient of days. Who was the ancient of days? The most ancient of days is God. And he's, he comes before him and he saw that all kindred, all nations, all people, all languages will be under his rule. This is the image that Jesus gave to the Sadducees and Pharisees just before he was crucified. When they questioned him, who do you think you are? says, don't worry, soon you're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. They knew Daniel what he was talking about. They knew that this was the Messiah, this was God, the Son coming in, this messianic being that came only from heaven, that did not have before, uh, uh, 
that did not have a beginning or an ending. They knew this was the anointed one. That's what Christ means. Christ is not Jesus' second name. Christ means Christos in, in, in Greek. It means Messiah. Mashiach. In Hebrew, it's the same word. It means anointed. He was anointed by God. And these Pharisees and Sadducees saying, you're saying you've been anointed by God? For that they try to stone him in John chapter 10. And Jesus says, for what things do you stone me for? Because you want to stone me for, because all these, which miracle are you stoning me for? He said, we're not stoning you for any miracle, but because you being a man, claim yourself to be God. So in chapter 16 of Matthew, just as we finish reading, I realized they had the same image in verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There it is. Daniel chapter 7. So he stops these people, his disciples, his disciples in a place called uh, Caesarea Philippi. There was a Caesarea on the, on the, it would be on the coast, on the west side of Israel. Not far from Joppa, because that's where Peter had to go to meet Cornelius. That was a Caesarea where Herod built this huge palace and huge island uh, 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 coastline. He was a phenomenal builder. But there was also a Caesarea up north. It was about 25 miles north of the hometown of the disciples. Bethsaida, Chorazin, Capernaum. And eventually what it appears that Jesus made his home later on, or his headquarters in that area in Capernaum. And so they come back to Capernaum. Then they go up 25 miles north to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And you wonder why he did that. Why did Jesus go out of his way to talk to his disciples? He wasn't going anywhere. He didn't say he went somewhere else after that. He wasn't en route to something, to some other place. But he went to Caesarea Philippi. And I, I took a look at the um, internet to see what is at Caesarea Philippi. And if you come to Caesarea Philippi, the beautiful pictures they have there, really, it astounds me. I thought Petra, those of you that know where Petra is, it's, that little, it's a little place between Jordan and, and Israel where there's a very narrow opening. And they've got these huge cliff sides on which the temples were carved out in red, red rock. I thought that was pretty impressive. And it is. But in Caesarea Philippi, they have something very similar. Maybe not as huge, I, can't, I didn't compare the two. But it's this big cliff face. And in the cliff face, they've got all these uh, grottos carved out and niches where they put their gods. It was a place that, that according to historians, was a place where the Greeks believed that their god, Pan, inhabited. It was that goat 
half goat, half man, half boy, that will trot around playing his pan flute. That's where you get the pan flute from. And it was a place of, according to Enoch in his, in his writings, was a place of demonic activity. Many temples, many pagan temples that they raised up there, the, the temple of Zeus, the palace of, another palace of, of uh, Herod. And Jesus takes him to this place, which happens to be at the foot of Mount Hermon, which happens to be the, the head of the river Jordan where the springs come up and push water out to Lake of Galilee, 25 miles. It's very lush. I, I was thinking, though well, they came to this uh, desert place and, and, and uh, they had to stop and they talked about This was a very lush place. As a matter of fact, Pan was the, the god of the forests and the mountains and the, and the shepherds and, and to the Greeks. Why did Jesus bring them to this place? It's a mixture of cultures here. It was not a holy place, if you will, in God's books. But Jesus stops. And he says, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What's, what's, this, what's the uh, word on the street? What is out there? What are people telling you? I think he knew. He wanted to get it from them. What are they saying about me? And then, of course, they gave their guesses. And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some even say you're Jeremiah. Or one of the other prophets that are sort of prophesied as ushering in the Messiah. The real thing that Jesus wanted to extract from them, because he knew what they believed, but he wanted them to say it. Then Peter said, Thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Christos. You are the Mashiach. You are the anointed one from God. You are the son of the living God. That was a question that the high priest asked just before they indicted Jesus. Confess, say it. Are you the son of the living God? I adjure you. Jesus said, you said it. What further evidence do we need? It was enough at, there, at that time to crucify him. Send him away to be crucified. But until that point, Jesus kept it quiet from the others. He wanted first to reach his disciples, to see what they thought of him. He knew what they thought of him. He wanted the confession to come from Peter. 
He wanted the confession to come from his disciples. And one of the things he wanted to teach them, not that Peter was some person that had all this deep knowledge and, of his own. He could really be puffed up with that. <laughs> I figured that out. I did my studies. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you. Not your flesh and your blood revealed this unto you. Not somebody else revealed this unto you on this earth. But my Father, which is in heaven. This was evidence that demanded a verdict. Jesus had, for two and a half years, demonstrated his power, demonstrated his grace, demonstrated his love and compassion, demonstrated his loathing of sin, demonstrated he wasn't in for the money or for the fame. As a matter of fact, he said, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Keep it to yourself. My time has not yet come. My dear friend, no one else is going to reveal to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and you buy it. It's going to be God himself. God is going to reveal to you one day, if you keep yourself exposed to the Word, if you keep reading the Word of God, God is going to reveal to you that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But He won't give it to you until you're ready to receive it. Until you surrender everything until you open your heart, as Paul says to the Corinthians, Oh, Corinthians, we have enlarged our heart to you. Do the same to us. Open your hearts. It's only when you surrender everything, you surrender all, as the song says, and you put away the excuses or you put away the conditions that you will accept Jesus Christ. You, you stop bargaining with him. If you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. Or, or you stop saying, well, my condition is first I want to get a job. I want to get married. I want to buy a house. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know what? I've seen too many go by the way that way. I've seen too many get involved with the cares of this life and the seed has been crushed and choked. Do you know the times, the signs of the times? Are you discerning the times in which we live? By the way, that time in that word, in that first few verses when he talks about the signs of the times, is not the chronos. It's not the time, chronological time. It means seasons. What season we are in. 
what era we are in. Do you know where we are in the God's eschatological calendar? Everything has been fulfilled. What else has to be fulfilled? The prophecies that have come by. Jesus was crucified 2,000 years ago. The nation of Israel has returned to its land as promised. All these things have come to pass. What else has to be fulfilled? Oh, yeah, they're waiting for Jeremiah. No, he's not going to come. Are they waiting for Elijah? He's already in heaven. Elijah has already come. That's, what's, that's the next chapter. How come some say that Elijah must first come and restore all things? And uh, Elijah must first come. Jesus said, oh, Elijah will come. And if you will have it, he's already come. And they have done whatever they wanted with him. What did they do? They killed him. They cut off his head. Don't wait for any of these people to come because the Messiah has come. He said to the woman at the well, if you would have known who it is that asks you for water, you would have asked him and he would have given you water, living water, that you will never have to come back and draw from this well again. And he said, who is this man that can give me these things? He said, I am he. He said, we know that our Lord says that the Messiah will come. Jesus said, I am he. He plainly told her she got converted. So my friend outside of Jesus, are you waiting for a Damascus Road experience? Are you looking for another sign? Paul the Apostle says to the rights of the Corinthians who had a myriad of problems and he says, you know, the Jews seek a sign. And the Greeks seek wisdom. Which one are you looking for? A sign or wisdom? You've got all the signs that you will ever have. And you don't need earthly wisdom to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so simple that neither, not even a fool can err. Isaiah 35 says. What are you looking for? I plead with you. I've attended three funerals. Preached at three funerals this year. Month after month after month. Thank God they were all saved, to our knowledge. I don't like preaching at funerals. When, they, when they're not saved, it's hard to preach. It's hard to preach when you look at someone lying in the, in the casket. And to your knowledge, he hasn't made a covenant with the Lord. Blessed are they that die in the Lord. Then Jesus says to him, My Father has revealed this to you. And I say unto you, you are Peter. You are Peter. In the Greek, it's you are Petros. You're a little rock or a pebble or a piece of rock. Don't think that you're something big and you, you're the one that came up with this idea. You're a little rock. However, upon this rock, which you have just confessed, 
that I am the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, upon this rock, Jesus Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Just imagine the backdrop. Go, go online, look at it. Caesarea Philippi, you'll see it. The backdrop, this huge rock wall, this huge rock platform. And these little gods here, or niches for gods and the temples. That is the world's kingdom. And look what it's come to over the years. Everything's knocked down. Everything's been leveled. Whether it's earthquake, whether it's pillaging by invaders, it's been knocked down. This world will not survive the judgment of God. And he said, <coughs> And I will give unto you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whoever shall... Bind whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus was going to give Peter and the apostles power, authority in the church. This is not speaking about the Pope, by the way. Many say that, yep, Peter was the first Pope. And the church was built on Peter. If that was the case, we'd have a terribly wobbly building. It'll fall if it was built on man. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians 2? The Bible says this. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 2, the last couple of verses. Now ye are therefore no longer, no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And you are built upon what? The foundation of the apostles. Does that mean on their own teachings? No, upon the teachings that God had given to the apostles. But they're not the only ones. The foundation of the apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the head of the church. And the church does what the head tells it to do. Whatever Jesus taught the apostles, they taught to us, to all those that were after them. And the gospel was propagated in whom the whole building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded up together for an habitation or for a dwelling place of God. The church of Christ that he will build is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit. The church itself had not yet begun. Jesus said, I will build my church. But the church, as it, it was meant to be, could only begin once the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed on Calvary. When that happened, 
then one could become born again by the Spirit of God and be taken into the body of Christ through baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what, that's what Peter did. What Peter did when he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Peter was the first one to open, if you will, to, to, to declare the church is here. Because the Holy Spirit preempted him. The Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and it fell upon all the people there, 120 odd. And they began to speak in different tongues. Languages. Greek, Aramaic. You just go through Acts chapter 2, you see how many? 15 of them. Parthian. And they were speaking. What were they speaking? The wonderful works of God. That everyone could understand in their own language. And then in chapter 10 of Acts, when Paul goes to the first, if you will, uh, official Gentile that received the Holy Spirit that we know of, Cornelius in, in, in Caesarea. The Holy Spirit came down, if you will, spontaneously. And they began to also speak in tongues, languages. And Peter opens the church, if you will, to the Gentiles. Then Paul comes along and he preaches to the Gentiles. He's the apostle that went to the Gentiles mostly. And he spread the gospel throughout as Jesus said, it will start in Jerusalem, Judea, the province of the capital, Jerusalem. It go to Samaria, the northern hybrid territory of Jews, Gentiles mixed. And then it will go to the uttermost parts of the world, uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel was propagated. So Peter was given this privilege to open the church, if you will, to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And then he disappears we didn't hear from him really after Acts chapter 15. Legend says that he died a martyr in Rome. That he was crucified upside down. And we haven't got to that part. That's why I said God willing. But in that part when Peter now takes Jesus after Jesus said, now I'm telling you, I'm being more open with you. The Son of Man is going to be taken and betrayed into the hands of men and be uh, the chief priests and the elders and he'll be crucified and on the third day he'll rise again. Peter said, no, it's not going to happen to you. No, we need you. It's not going to happen. He still wasn't thinking, understanding the full plan of God. What did Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. For you savor, you desire the things of men and not of God. You remember the temptation of Christ? Chapter 4 of Matthew? When the devil tried to derail Christ from the cross, when he tried to get him to sin and disobey his father, command these stones that they be made bread, jump off the pinnacle of the temple and God will catch you, or bow down to me and I'll give you all these kingdoms, even Pan. 
What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense. You're a trap. You want me to derail the plan of God. Not going to happen. Jesus struggled with that in the garden. He was praying profusely, sweating as if it were great drops of blood, praying three times. He asked God, Father, if it be possible, please take away this bitter cup. And in the end, he said, not my will, but your will be done. I pray that every one of us will see the benefit, the eternal benefit of not succumbing to the temptations of this world, to what Satan has to offer us, because that's temporal. Pleasure is temporal, but life after death is eternal. Which way do you want to go? How much time you think you have? What is the time and the season now for everyone, not just for you? This is my prayer. Sincere prayer that you, you surrender your life before it's too late. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. A brother, find a hymn. Hymned up in 95, verses 1, 3, and 5, to the honor and glory of God.
Lord is worthy that we bow. Father in heaven, we are reminded quite plainly today, dear Father, how the world will never run out of signs to search for, dear Father. They will constantly be asking for yet one more sign, one more clue, one more little hint that you are there, dear Father, as your pages virtually scream out who you are, what you have done, dear Father, and more importantly, what you plan to do with this mess that we've created here on earth, dear Father. We we must take heed of this message, dear Father, and for those who haven't yet given their life to you, dear Father, we pray earnestly that they understand that the expectations of the wicked, dear Father, will only end up in ruin, dear Father, as the righteous have their hope, dear Father, as we set aside expectations in our own pride, dear Father, that we know what's going to happen. We know that there is a life after this one, dear Father, and there's very little we can do to change anything of your plan, dear Father, as we pray for those unbelievers, dear Father, family members, those who are unconverted, those in our midst, dear Father. The time is running out. Your patience will end, dear Father. You've given us plenty to deal with, much to think about. Let us not let us not find ourselves in our own pride, dear Father, thinking that things will work out according to our own plan. It is such a rich and rewarding life, dear Father, giving our lives to you. We know it has been added hundredfold, pressed down and shaken out. We are so grateful for it, dear Father. Let us be a shining light and not turn away from the message, dear Father, and toward our ultimate goal, dear Father. We know that the end will come, dear Father, and in the end, those standing with you, we will win. We thank you again. For what you've given us this week, dear Father, good or bad, nevertheless, we are here on this Sunday morning in this house of prayer, in the quietness of today, dear Father. You've brought us through it, and then whatever we look forward to, dear Father, you know we'll bring us through that again. We thank you again for this day, dear Father, for those blessings that we have seen, dear Father, and more importantly, for those we haven't seen. We pray for the lonely, those who are grieving, dear Father, unbelievers and believers alike, those who are caregivers, those who are taking care of others, give them strength and comfort. Be with us today as we thank you again, sincerely, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Fonda, concluding hymn, please. Hymn number 179, two verses.
But whom say ye that I am? It was a personal question. Jesus turned to his disciples. He wasn't satisfied with hearsay. Well, I hear this theory and I hear that one. He wanted to know what they personally thought, their own personal confession of faith. And when Peter did confess, thou art the son, the Christ, the son of the living God, that was something that could be built on, something that could even overcome the very gates of hell. My dear friend, it's the question you're being asked this morning. You can't say, well, I hear he's a good teacher. I hear he did good things. I hear others say he might be the son of God. You have to take a stand. And that stand, that confession of faith, will determine not only your life, your eternity. This is not a light thing. Please consider it prayerfully. With that, we would conclude this morning's service.